0: Welcome to Cross Point Baptist Church this Sunday morning. It is uh, the Lord's Day, we call it, Resurrection Sunday. We have decided to not meet on location for the purpose of safety, just people traveling, getting in, mainly the parking lot. So uh, hopefully everyone is able to chime in this morning through our website or all the other avenues we have to worship, but we want to make sure that this, this morning, Sunday morning, um, is not like what we do on Wednesday night. Wednesday night is uh, way more informal and uh, a study of the Word. Today, we want to worship the Lord. We want to give Him our focused attention. Um, Psalm 91 is a text that we'll use, and I chose this Psalm 91 on purpose. It's one of my go-to Psalms. I've preached it at our church before, um, but it is especially the ending. There is some I wills that the Lord gives us by way of hope, by way of uh, promise that are for the believers. So we want to um, be here on purpose this morning. Um, As we have talked in uh, Sunday, last Sunday, and again on Wednesday, we talked about potentially having a business meeting, so um, I'm announcing again today, we potentially will have one next week, we'll see how that goes, and then at one o'clock today, in just a handful of hours, we will uh, kind of make an announcement on today, tonight, uh, sorry, Awana, I got distracted during this worship service, my dog is decided to get something to drink and eat at this moment, so... Uh, but at 1 o'clock, we will announce our plans for Awana. So be ready for that uh, today so we'll know how to best uh, honor the Lord on this day. But it is a good day. Um, many of uh, people see the weather outside and they let it dictate how their day's going to be or how their heart's going to be. I would encourage you, uh, and a part of that's true, I, I get it, but I would encourage you not to let Outside circumstances like something small like weather that you can't control be the determining factor of your heart's condition this morning get your mind and your your uh, thoughts fixed upon him and uh, Attempt to be well pleasing to him, but we are grateful to meet so as watching many of you are chiming in here and and ready to go um, we We'll not be worshiping the Lord through music this morning. Uh, you don't. Want, it would just be me, and you really don't want that. So, uh, hopefully, you have a song in your heart. I know Andrew and the praise team were were ready to go, uh, but we will not be worshiping through music this morning. But I do encourage you to turn to Psalm ninety-one. Grab a hold of your Bible this morning, whether it's on your device or, or whatever you choose. Psalm ninety-one. There's 16 verses in this chapter. They speak clearly, directly. They're encouraging because they're promises. I don't know if you're aware of this, but when God makes a promise, he's yet to break even a one, not one promise as we've seen him give in the past that he hasn't fulfilled or is yet to be fulfilled, but that he is broken. He hasn't broken his word, not one time. He, and why is that? Because he can't. That's the kind of God, that's our God that we want to put our life in his hands. And of course, we do that through his son, Jesus Christ, who gives us that not only path to the creator's presence, he delivers us to the uh, creator's presence as well. So Psalm 91 is where we'll be at this morning. Let's have a word of prayer and uh, ask the Lord to bless us as we do, uh, we meet as a church body remotely this morning. Let's bow. Lord, we love you today, and over the next few moments that we spend together, I pray that my voice not become mundane, become boring. Uh, I pray that your word goes way beyond my ability, way beyond my talent to communicate these words. I'm a messenger. I send the message, I preach the message the best I can. And I have to be careful today, dear Lord, that I, just like our church members, don't mail in our worship this morning, that we don't just give you a, a tip of the hat and say, yeah, we, we we spent some time with God today. I pray that we would be deeply involved in this relationship with you that you have initiated. So be with us now, have us to be engaged encourage us, work on our lives. We have sick people, we have people that are hurting, we have people that are struggling with sin, and you're the God of all. So be with us today, Holy Spirit, we invite you through Facebook, through our webpage, through the words that are going to be uh, read from your word to find it. We wanna be willing uh, willing to receive, Holy Spirit, what you have for, uh, for us. So make us your people today. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Psalm 91. As we read this psalm this morning, um, it's life-saving to some. It's encouraging to me. It's a psalm of strength. It's a psalm of nourishment. It's a a psalm of promise as well. You'll see that toward the end. And it is a psalm That is quoted in the New Testament. Check this out. It's a psalm that one missionary couple of years ago said got them through some long hardships when they were on the missionary field. You can hear that and go, well, that's that's great. That's encouraging. This is also a psalm that has been quoted by Satan in Matthew when he's talking to Jesus Christ. So... Um we're gonna see a pretty interesting uh paradox there, but what makes Psalm 91 so special? What makes it so notable? And the first thing I want you to see is actually in verse 1. So as I have my Bible here, I'm gonna read Psalm 91, verse 1. It reads, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of of the Almighty. This psalm is special, um, and some of the uh, psalms and in Proverbs, they are conditional promises. Now, um, it, it means you, there's a certain requirement that needs to be met. Now, there are promises of our Lord that are not conditional. Um, the all the covenant, covenantial promises that we've gone over several years ago. We went over the covenant with Adam, the covenant with Noah and Moses and Abraham and, and David, the Davidic covenant. All of those covenants weren't conditional. That those covenants that God made with those patriarchs of our faith um, are going to did happen actually. <clears throat> and uh, but some, when we read Psalms and Proverbs, they are. Conditional, these promises that we're about to read, the next 15 verses, they're not for everybody. They're for those that have met the requirement. What is the requirement? The requirement is actually found in verse 1. It says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, he who dwells, the person that That word dwells means to abide. John chapter 15 verse 4, Jesus uses the exact same terminology to talk about his relationship with the believer, his relationship with the Father also. But he says to dwell. It means to abide. The word isn't just to visit. It's not what that word means. We don't visit the Lord. And this is what I've really been emphasizing. If you're the uh, proclaiming professing Jesus Christ as your Savior, but the only relationship you're having with him is a brief time on Sunday morning, odds are you aren't abiding or dwelling with him. Odds are you're you're just going through the motions. It's more than a profession. It's a lifestyle. It means to settle down. It means someone who comes to live with not just make a visit, okay? That is the first requirement. Check us out. It says, he who dwells, who settles down in the secret place of the Most High. Let's talk about the secret place for just a moment. It refers to, in, in, in the Old Testament, in that tabernacle, the temple place of worship, the Holy of Holies, the presence of God. So are you settled down In the presence of God. It's a place where God's people uh, met because it's where God dwelt. That's where he, his presence uh, would abide. At one point, only the high priest could enter that place. But because of Jesus Christ, this psalm transcends the Old Testament sacrificial system because we have a high priest in Jesus Christ in Hebrews. Uh, that allows us to go to that place of Holy of Holies. So don't read Psalm 91 verse 1, the first couple parts of that, and go, well, that's for that date and time. It's for the Christian today that you can dwell in the presence of God. Are you there? I can't answer that question for you. Uh, Only you can answer that question. Then it mentions the Most High, the back part of that verse he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, in God's Majesty, the word, the word, um, Almighty and Most High are interchangeable here, right? So we're we're hearing the Word of God. Hopefully, you' you have your Bible open and you're seeing it as well. We interpret Scripture in light of Scripture. So it's important to seek and dwell with the right God. In your life, we have a tendency to switch gods in our life. Sometimes, unbeknownst to us, we put people, places, and things ahead of uh, that relationship that we uh, that we uh, long for, and really that He requires of us. But notice, I said this: He requires that relationship, not a, someone who's just full of do's and don'ts and and, and stoic. You, if Listen to that word, relationship. Healthy relationships, they're alive, they're active, they're, they're communi- you're communicating, they're enjoyable as well. But the rec- listen to the requirements of the conditional promises. He who abides in the Holy of Holies of the Almighty. Are you there right now? Are you a believer in the re- right relationship with God? Christ. The assurance of God's promises also are found in Acts. So keep your finger there in Psalm 91. Go to the New Testament, Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. I'm grateful to have this life book in my hand. I hope you are as well because um, again, whether you think that um, sometimes pastor gets long-winded or you may think that he's Uh, not being as entertaining as uh, as Wednesday night or something like that, we need to be reminded that walking with him, though it's enjoyable, it's also very serious business. And he gives us this life book that we need to be diligent followers of him. Listen to the promises that he gives in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for or because of the remission of sins that you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay, So there's the gospel message uh, that Peter has is sharing with them. We need to repent. That means turn from sin. We need to be baptized, to be identified in the name of Jesus Christ. For doesn't mean so baptism isn't part of your salvation but because of the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift the gift of the holy spirit oh there's so much there we could spend time on i can't do it right now the gift that he gives is his presence and dwelling with us the gift that he gives is a a working out a, a a conviction in our heart the gift that he gives is the fruit of the spirit that he's working out in our life they're gonna be smiling already the gift that he gives is an, an, an eternal presence to never leave nor forsake. On and on. But, verse 39, the promises. Look at how these promises are found in him. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off as many as the Lord our God will call. So if he's done that work in your life and you have reciprocated, you have um, uh, called out on him. Now, remember, it's not just saying you and your family. That's not what he's saying. Just because you're part of a family line or you have a certain pedigree does not mean that you're going to be in the presence of God. He's saying, how's it in Those who believe or will call on the name. The promise of the Holy Spirit the believer it leads he leads to all truth that's an amen and it he says those who are afar off i want you to know that some 2000 years ago i was afar off that's pretty far but he he the promises apply today if you are in verse 1 of psalm 91 that's you guess what the following verses are for are us to claim it's us to to read and understand and adjust our lives so that we are well-pleasing unto the Lord. If you are not found in verse 1, well, you've heard, if you've been here ever before, you've heard how to be found in verse 1. And I just shared it with you from Acts chapter 2. And I've shared it even prior to that um, in the working of Jesus Christ in your life. So if you're not found in verse 1, I want to encourage you to continue to listen. Follow along. Listen to these promises of the next 15 verses and see if you can, uh, if they're desirous to you. You, you will desire these um, promises in your life because if you're not a believer, if you're not a genuine believer, you don't have these in your life. I'm going to be reading in these following verses several promises that have been lived out, experienced, right in the presence of those that are watching on Facebook tonight. I see 41 devices are watching tonight. I know most of you. I know most of you. And you would say that that has happened in my life. Maybe not all of them, but these as a as a testimony has happened in my life. All right. What makes this psalm of Psalm 91 so special? We're going to see in verses 2 through 4 it that it has several promises. One is a promise of refuge. Look in verse 2. He says, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the uh, perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. He promises a refuge. This is one of my go-to portions of Scripture, one of my go-to Psalms when I need to be reminded of who God is and who I'm not. When I need to be reminded when things from my perspective look sketchy, they look uncertain. Things from my point of view look, um, well, not encouraging. In fact, discouraging, yet When I look at them through God's eyes, they're exactly the opposite. Not because I say so, because he says so. He promises a refuge for you and for me, the believer, in their life. A fortress and refuge are two terms that we don't use, perhaps, daily. Uh, It's not in our everyday vocabulary, but a fortress is a place safe from outside intrusion. A refuge is a safe haven. Question for you to ponder this morning. Where do you run for safety from outside intrusions? Where do you run to for a safe haven? Maybe not physically, but emotionally, spiritually. Where do you run? You know, a lot of times we only look up when we're flat on our back. That's when we need that refuge. That's when we need that Safe haven, but he provides a safe haven. And I want you to know this that my hope, my goal, our, our aim is that Cross Point Baptist Church is a safe haven for you because it leads to the safe place of the Most High. That's our goal. Cross Point Baptist Church is a safe haven, it's a safe place. I will make sure that that happens. Well, in verse 3, He gives an illustration. He says, surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler. That is a trap. He will deliver you from a trap. There is all kinds of traps in our life. It's not just in our world. Maybe in a, um, uh, many of you know now when you get a call on your phone and you don't recognize the number, you don't answer it, right? It's usually some kind of sales, some kind of scam. There's something Something funky going on there. But we check. We we know that they're out there. But they're more than just those kind of scams or traps that's out there. We all have a besetting temptation. Besetting sin. But a besetting temptation and evil. Temptation knows how to set that up to where it looks so appealing. The Bible says that he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler, of the snare. He can save you from falling into that trap, that temptation, and from the perilous pestilence. That perilous pestilence means all types of diseases. And by the way, I would remind you that in the Old Testament, that they didn't have Medicare, they didn't have healthcare, they didn't have vaccines. A simple disease could kill you Living in Old Testament times. Ask Jewel, he would know about that. He was around back then. But faith in Jehovah God was their medical insurance, he was their retirement plan. He was all that they have. And this isn't the first time in the Bible that God chose, the Holy Spirit chose to use the example of a bird as an illustration in Psalm 61. He pictures a, a bird caring for her, uh, her babies. Um, we see that word picture is used over and again. Refuge and fortress are defensive. They're defensive mechanisms. His truth is a shield and a small shield. That's a buckler. That means a small shield. Um, you'll see it in verse 4. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. See see the imagery there? His truth shall be your shield and buckler. It means a small shield. We could go a couple illustrations with that. There's small attacks, and then there's sometimes big attacks. And you know what's amazing about that? You can die from one piercing blow, or you can die the death of a thousand cuts. Both are just as damaging. We need the truth of God's word that um, I would warn everyone listening that you're gonna need to have a good grip on God's truth in the days moving forward as we navigate through our world. And you're also gonna need encouragement. You're gonna find both of them in his word. Study his word. And you're gonna need to be discerning. I pray that the Lord would give us the um, to be sensitive to what is discerning. Because usually what is discerning is is at the fork of the road. You have to decide, is this true or is it not? Is it right or is it not? It's going to be at that discerning moment. He promises protection from fear. Look in verse 5 through 10. For you shall not be afraid of terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Verse 9, Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. What in the world? That, that is a lot of promises there. Can he deliver? You would think, well, I've read the back part of what you said there in 9 and 10, and I feel like I've known people that profess Christ, and these things weren't, didn't fold out in their life that way. Let's look in verse 5 through 10 and see what he's telling us. Because he does promise protection from fear. Now, sometimes from the outside circumstances, but the bulk of the time, fear starts in our own heart. Verse 5 and 6 talks about terror, arrow, pestilence, destruction. They're all referred to as evil. Those words, he used a lot of words there. Uh, You shall not be afraid of terror by night. We know that things tend to happen wickedly by night. Now, only, but it's something about the cover of darkness. He uses the word um, nor an arrow that flies by day. An arrow referring to a a deadly weapon there. He talks about pestilence. We talked about being disease and destruction. They're all referred to in these first couple verses just as talking about evil. But you see in verse 5 you shall not be afraid. Question when? When am I not going to be afraid when you are found in verse 1 when you are in his secret place when you're relying on him and not circumstances slowly that's when you find those things to be true and by the way when he promises you should not be afraid of the terror by night he talks about fear you know we would be reminded of the new testament that he hasn't given us the spirit of fear that is coming from someplace else someplace not holy. We don't have time to live our life in fear. I'm not talking about stepping out our front door as much as the fear that can creep into our heart. Fear can cripple you. Fear can be more damaging than a lot of outside situations that can happen to you. We trust in our Lord. He's given us a strength. By the way, that verse in 2 Timothy says he hasn't given us a spirit of fear, But he has given us something else, something better. You know what I found? When the Lord doesn't give something, it's because he gives something better. He's given the power and love and of a sound mind. Those are from God. Do you see those playing out in your life? I really hope so. You don't have time to be fearful. You don't have time to be afraid. You know, there's a lot of people that have a good facade in life, even believers. And when the end of life, they are faced with it. There is definitely an uncertainty, a, a maybe a nervousness there. But I've seen even believers cripple at the fear of death. I've seen believers welcome the passing from this life to the next. You don't understand fully until you're in that situation. I haven't been in that situation. Many of you have been in life and death situations. But, here's what I'm driving at. Precious in the eyes of the Lord are the death of his saints. If he's saying it's precious and you're a saint, you're a believer, then why are we fearful? It doesn't, it just doesn't work. All right, Psalm 91 verse 7. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Wow, wow. This is a little bit applicable when you're living through a pandemic, right? Now we, uh, especially frontline workers, a thousand or ten thousand may fall. And by the way, if Moses wrote this, would he have seen many people fall or die? Absolutely. And at God's hands, he would have seen them die at God's hands and at God's judgment. And some of them were Israelites. But it shall not come near you in verse 7. Who's it speaking to? The person it's found in verse 1. The believer that's found in verse 1. Look at verse 8. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. In verse 8, the punishment of the wicked is as sure as the deliverance of the righteous. That's a good amen line right there. The righteous will be delivered. And the wicked will face punishment. That's a promise from God. That is from the commentary out of the Nelson Study Bible. I lifted that line right out of there. Worded so well. Verse 9 reenacts verse 1. Verse 10 reassures God's protection as well. Look at verse 11 and 12. Verse 11 says, For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways in their hands. They shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. He shall, that term, those two words means it will happen. It will happen. Give charge, gives his angels charge over you. I want you to not forget a couple things about... uh, uh, angels, as the Bible relates. We want to be very careful here not to give angels too much attention, not to give them a- really any focus at all because they don't want it. The angels of the Bible do not want that. They are messengers, nor do we want to worship angels. One, angels are not to be worshiped or prayed to. That You don't see that anywhere in the 66 books The canonized scripture. You do not see that. Angels have jobs. They are not omniscient, omnipotent, or omnipresent. They are messengers. Focus on God, not angels. Let them do their job. By the way, we entertain them unaware. This scripture here that I just read, verse 11 and 12, for he will give his angels charge over you to keep you in your ways, in their hands they shall bear you up unless you dash your foot against a stone. It's a portion of scripture that we would say amen to. I remember a really old group. Carl, what was that group? Um, Gold City. Is that it? Yeah, Gold City. They had a song that uh, that had this scripture in it over and over and in the, and But you know what's amazing? As powerful as that scripture is, For the uh, proper application, it's the exact same scripture that Satan used to tempt Jesus in Matthew chapter four, verse six. That's the text that Satan used. Let's talk about that for a moment. The only problem is where we read the scripture as it is is written, we study that scripture, and uh, the Holy Spirit doesn't leave anything out. Satan, when he quoted that scripture, he left a little line out A very important line. Satan knows scripture. He knows it so well that he can manipulate it and twist it and make it sound appealing. He did it to Eve. He tried it on Christ as well. Satan had the the wording almost correct. The intention was all wrong. There's a snare. There's a trap, right? Satan omit. To keep you in all your ways—that's what he left out in those two verses when he's quoting it back to Jesus Christ. This is the—it's got to be the most. Well, I don't want to say funny. I think it would be funny to watch, but sad at the same time. There is evil, Satan, trying to quote Scripture, trying to quote the Word to the Word about the Word. <laughs> Christ is the Word, so you're not, you're not going to get him. On this, but Satan uh, tries anyways. Satan plays in play. Satan's play in the Bible here is to use Scripture against people. He did it to Eve. Now to Jesus, don't fall for this. Please don't fall for this. People will twist and justify God's word to their liking, even to your liking. God's word means what it says. God's word means what he desires it to mean. Believer, beware. Satan knows Scripture, maybe even better, than you and I. Satan tempted Jesus to gain public attention through spectacle rather than through his righteous life, his message, and his cross. Listen, it's funny, because what what, what Satan offered Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 he was going to have anyway. He, he's going to be the king of kings. It, you don't get more notoriety than that. He, he offered him kingdoms when he's the creator of all things. He ushers in the new kingdom. Satan offers a lot of things, but delivers nothing. Delivers the opposite. He can't offer, uh, deliver anything good. What's good and assuring in Psalm 91, 11 through 12, is that Satan, what's good and assuring, Satan was using for evil. Okay? Look in verse 13. Verse 13. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. Verse 13 shows God's protection. This is imagery. He's not telling you to go out and tackle a lion or or go out and kill snakes. Uh, lion and snake represent evil attacks in this imagery. Okay? Here's what I want to get to. 14, 15, and 16. These are what I would title the six I wills from God. We know that the devil has five I wills in, um, in Scripture. This is God giving... His pledge. These are the things you need to be writing down today. This 14, 15, and 16 is why this portion of Scripture, when I need to get back to the basics of my faith, when I need to get back to who I am in Christ, who I am in God the Father, how He is working on my behalf, when I need to be reminded, this is one of the portions of Scripture. It's these three verses Of Psalm 91 verse 14 reads because he has set his love upon me God loved me long before I knew him he loved me he showed his love to me he had been showing his love to me and I didn't couldn't see it wouldn't see it couldn't see it and then when I understand what Christ did he he is love incarnate Verse 14, because he set his love upon me. He loved me first, 1 John chapter 4. I didn't love him first. He loved me. With all of my hangups, all my issues, insecurities, fear, he loved me. And by the way, Romans chapter 5 says he loved me when I was unlovable. He loves us. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. He loved me, now I get to love him back. That's what 1 John 4, and that's what this is saying. He shall call on me, I'm oh, sorry, verse... Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high, because he has known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him in and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. In these last three verses, I want you to think about the impact, the implication of these scriptures can have in your life. He pledges six of them. First one, right here. I will deliver him. Kind of echoes uh, back to earlier, but in verse 14, the first part of that, you can't live without this truth. You cannot live without this truth. I will deliver him. He delivers us even if we won't even recognize him. What do I mean by that? His mercy. Because of our sin, he could take us off this earth right now. We could die horrendous death, painful death, and it would be justified. You would think, I'm a, come on. Why do you preacher people always do this? Because that's what the scripture teaches. He He doesn't owe us anything. But he says, I will deliver him. You cannot live without this truth. Even if you're an atheist, you need to recognize the fact that you can't live, that that you're being delivered. Something, somebody, somewhere is helping you draw that next breath. I love the question. Bill Nye asked to Ken Ham, where does consciousness come from? Ken Ham asked that to Bill Nye, and Bill Nye said, Tell me, and we'll both know. And Ken Ham said, God wrote a book. What a beautiful reminder that God initiates, provides, creates, and then protects. He doesn't owe us anything. Not anything at all. All people have times of need. Think about Noah, his three children, Daniel, Joseph, Moses. On down the line it goes, we see that they needed him desperately. He says in verse 14, I will set him on high, a place of safety. doesn't mean a place of of esteem. That's not what he's talking about, but a place of safety, a place on high. It speaks of a... Uh, uh, and, and then the next part where he says, um, he has known my name. That speaks of an intimate experience with the Father. Verse 15, He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble and I will deliver him and honor him or her, believer, in verse 15. What do we see? I will answer him. So I will deliver him. Number two is I will set him on high, keep him in a safe place. Number three is I will answer him. The promise and the privilege of prayer. Perhaps you do a lot of calling on him, but there's little answering. Are you back in verse one? Everything's linked back to verse one. We have the ear of God. The fourth I will is this is in verse the back part of verse 15. I will be with him in trouble. I don't know if you're aware of this, but Job was a just and upright man. Is how chapter one describes him. He was just and upright. But we read in Job 14.1 that mankind, humans, will have trouble on this earth. Prosperity gospel or the fact that you're a believer and the idea that you will never ever have any problems as long as you live is an absolute lie. I have no idea how they're getting that out of this book. He has promises, but he doesn't say you will not, things won't happen. We all have something to complain about. The problem is nobody wants to hear our complaints. The problem is we shouldn't complain anyways because then you're saying, God, I'm complaining about my situation. You're not doing something right. That's what complaining ultimately leads to for the believer, for the believer. It leads to God, you're not doing something right. God had one son without sin, but none without sorrow. Jesus had something to complain about. He made him who knew no sin. He took on the sin of the world. I think that'd be that's not fair. That's not fair. You ever heard that? If you've raised kids before, you've probably heard that somewhere down the line. That's not fair. Jesus Christ was in an unfair situation. He had to pay for my sin. He had to pay for your sin. And he was perfect. And he was perfect. God promises to be with you when you're in that right relationship. The fifth promise that God shares is this. I will deliver him or her and honor him. Moses honored God and God honored him. Moses refused the treasures and the family of Egypt under Pharaoh God gave him treasures in heaven and a nation as a family. Moses gave up fame, power, and God gave him fame and honor. All because the believer was found in verse 1. All because Moses was found in verse 1. Are you in verse 1? The six, the six, I will in verse 16. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. I love this one. I will satisfy with long life, he says. Now, you may think, well, I know people that have had short lives and they were even professing. What's that about? What about those who died young, who left this earth young? He says, I will satisfy to the believer, okay? Okay. Long life for the believer starts on this earth, not when you die, but doesn't end on this earth. He will satisfy with salvation. And there it is. Verse 16, with long life, I will satisfy him. Life, when you become born again, that's when it starts. And we hear long life and we think our time on this earth, our 24 hours in a day or seven days in a week or a month or a year. That's not what he's referring to here. We capture time and want to be the judge of what is a long life. Life begins for the believer at the cross and continues for eternity. With long life, I will satisfy. He will satisfy you. There's people I know that can live in very humble, don't need a lot of things to live. Why? Because there's something feeding them that is much more valuable than money, than gold, than houses, than the stuff. Those are needs. But what happens is they become wants. They become desirous. They become idols. With long life, he promises to satisfy. Way better than a Snickers bar. He promises to satisfy your soul, your life. That way when these things happen, his protection, but other things happen and ailments happen and we get older and we have things that happen to us, he promises to satisfy. How? And show him my salvation. You can't buy it. Salvation can't be bought. It can't be transferred. It can't be given away. It can be shared through the word, your heart, and the Holy Spirit does the rest of that work. You can't buy salvation. The believer a lot of times has within them what the rest of this world is looking for and, and, and doesn't even, we take it for granted. And if you're not satisfied today, you need to review this portion of scripture. He promised to satisfy. Are you found in verse one? Everything's pointing back, Psalm 91, to verse one. Get there, study it. Is that you? And by the way, once you get there and study it and go, I'm here. Stay there, don't leave. God just gave six I wills to the believer. Satan gives five I wills of sin in Isaiah 14. Which do you line up with? Which do you line up with? I want you to look uh, for a a study of your own. Take the uh, Psalm 91. 14, 15, and 16. Look at God's six I wills. Take Isaiah 14, 13 through 15, and study Satan's I wills of sin, and see which one your life lines up with more. Now, am I saying you're Satan? No. But it is a good checkup. It's a time for you to stop and check up, and look at your life. Look into the mirror of his word, and see what reflection comes back to you. Well, Again, I always want to conclude with hope and encouragement. And the hope and encouragement today is these promises of God. Stop living a short-circuited life. Our lives are too short to be living grumbling, complaining, and meager, and all these things. And, and I know it's frustrating. I understand that. But God uses those these times to make us children of God. That is well-pleasing to him. So if it's been good to meet together, and I think the Lord was honored, let it be known by an amen. I love seeing the thumbs up and the hearts and the amen uh, from each other. Many of you have chimed in this morning. 47 devices are watching. Others check in uh, much later. That's okay. You can watch it uh, as well. In fact, I would encourage you to go back and re rewatch it. Maybe you missed a portion of Scripture or something like that. Many times we need to go back and re-watch so many of you are getting a thumbs up in the hearts and it's good to hear from everybody so let's bow in prayer conclude today and then again at one o'clock we will be announcing um, we'll be announcing what we're doing with the WANA later today. Lord thank you for loving us you have not left us alone you have stayed close why because your pro- your word your your promises demand it. Thank you for being who you are. Help us to see who we are and help us to see who we're not. We just want to be well-pleasing to you. Encourage the listener today through your word. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, we be waiting to hear from us about one o'clock. We love you and we'll see you later. Bye-bye.